It is another edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast right here, courtesy of FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Ofring and Ray Flowers with you as we get you set for another week of fantasy baseball action decisions and no doubt problems. And uh, Ray, it is good to have a full week of baseball. Um, I I know we all enjoy like that three, four day break with the All-Star game, but it kind of throws us off just a bit when we restart on a Friday. And I do think most leagues, though, Uh, kind of do the Friday starting last week and taking it all the way through the upcoming Sunday for their head-to-head leagues, which I I get it. I understand Mm -hmm. why, but I always thought it's weird because every other week is just seven days. Right. That week is a 10-day matchup against whomever you were scheduled to play. Yeah, uh, I don't play head-to-head, so I'm able to set my lineups, I believe, in all my leagues this morning. I haven't done the checking. It's eight o'clock Pacific time as we're recording this. Lazy. So uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was answering questions in the chat room. I wasn't lazy. Um, so I, I, I can't say that for hundred percent certainty, but about 98% certain that all my leagues allow the, the setting uh, today for the week, rest of the week, which is different. I think it's very difficult. You're right. I think the majority of head to head leagues do fold it all in together because how do you have a three day week or whatever? But at the same time, like there are plenty of teams. We still don't even know who they're starting. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, people can play that game if they want, but in the head to head where it's so important to not only have guys on the Hill, but to know who the matchups are and to, you know, look out and see who who all those matchups might be to start guys and all that setting the lineup a week ago for, ah, good luck with that. Well, it has me wondering Ray. um, And you can help me with this. We're still, uh, it's a 26 week season, roughly speaking. Is that right? Um, Mm -hmm. And most leagues are 12 teams. We're just going to generically go with that. If I were in a head to head 12 team league. In other words, I've got 11 other opponents. I actually like, well, I don't like the idea because I'm kind of anti head to head, but if I were in head to head, I would prefer two week matchups where I just play for 14 days against Mm -hmm. my opponent, um, play them once a season. If I'm in a 12 team league that knocks out 22 of the 26 weeks. Then what you do is you take your top four finishers and you played two weeks semifinals and a two week final in the month of September. It it kind of works for a twelve team league. Yet I never hear anybody doing that in head to head. Never, ever do I hear someone do that. <laughs> I just kind of came up with it. Well, it's no. not like I put much thought. No, in. I'm sure there's issues with it. Well, but it's a good idea. It's something different. It still gets you the head to head battle. It allows you to have the matchup be bigger. So in essence, there should be less wonkiness because yeah. a, a one for 17 week ends up you know ends up being a 10 for 34 week in the end um and you know as long as you run fab as always on sunday you still uh-huh. have the ability to ma- manipulate your lineup so i hey you know i'm not a head-to-head guy either kyle but i'd like that idea a lot more than i do a weekly setup the, the one issue would be trades and like you know if you make a trade three days into that 14 day matchup do you have to then wait 11 days for that to take effect or do I get that guy three days later in the middle of my head to head week? Yeah. And it would matter too. Then of course, if your uh, league allows you to change your lineup daily, or if you have to set it on Monday, Uh because even if you, even if the trade goes through, if it's a Wednesday, well, you know, so, but I, Hey, again, I, I've said this a lot. I've written about it. I've talked about it a lot. We need to do things different. Fantasy baseball's teetering here. And uh, that's a new idea that I don't have a problem with. Well, it's not teetering for us. It's not it's for teetering us, at large, but we're still hardcore in the fantasy baseball. And that's why people are here. That's why uh, hopefully we got people uh, joining us each and every week to uh, listen to a little fantasy baseball. And let's get into it. Every week we start you with the starting nine. 
Uh, we look at the lineup for the upcoming podcast one through nine. So here it is as we get rolling for this mid-July edition. Uh, we are going to start with the big news over the weekend, Jake DeGrom on the IL. I'm losing track of how many injuries Jake DeGrom has had. Then we'll move to the two hole. We'll talk about pitchers who maybe they're not doing DeGrom level stuff, but they are putting up great numbers. And unlike DeGrom, they're actually pitching which is kind of important. In the three-hole, we are in trade and call-up season. So we'll take a look at uh, some of the latest trades and rumors, also some of the latest call-ups, including a couple of highly thought-of prospects in both Boston and L.A. Uh, in the four-hole, we'll take a look at Rob Povia's weekly planner and spotlight a few of the highlights uh, from that article. Five-spot, we'll have a player profile of uh, perhaps the hottest hitter in baseball, uh, David Fletcher. I, I mean, I know he's not hitting home runs, but look at the hitting streak. So we'll do that in the five hole. In the sixth spot, uh, as always on a Monday, we'll take a look at some of the winning bids in the Sirius XM Host League. Uh, Ray and I, who are both in that league, uh, we're about the only ones bidding in that league. <laughs> and, and I went crazy. So we'll talk about the craziness I had. Seven hole will be some news and notes. Eight spot random reference. And the nine spot, the stamp of approval. Uh, Ray, let us begin with the leadoff spot. And I guess if we're not talking Otani or Tatis or Acuna or Vlad, then we're talking Jake DeGrom in 2021. And lo and behold, that's exactly where we begin today's podcast. Uh, Jake DeGrom officially placed on the IL. And unlike the other times, Ray, he's been injured. I don't know if we've got a great timetable on the return of Jake DeGrom. Well, I, I love when I get to wake up on a Monday, you know, and again, I get up at seven o'clock to get ready for the podcast. I love when I get up and I get to immediately go, ah, we were right. I love it, Kyle. Um, <laughs> this situation is, is depressing for baseball because DeGrom has been a star. It's de depressing for the fantasy owners because he's been just stupendous. He's been one of, he's having one of the best seasons we've ever seen. But you and I on the podcast here, I in articles at Fantasy Guru, you and I on the radio at SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, we have talked about this over and over again. And I, you know, people probably get tired of hearing us talk about it, but then this happens. And, you know, I sometimes feel like it's really weird. Like people focus on certain things very directly and fully and other things they just ignore. And I didn't get the sense that anyone was ever really concerned about Jacob DeGrom. He's, he's missing starts. They're delaying starts. As you and I talk about, they never let him throw 100 pitches in an outing. He's missing starts, and he's coming back. He's missing starts. He's coming. All of these things have happened, and it seemed like you and I were the only ones saying, eh, we should be concerned about this. Now we're at a scenario where, you know, if we're playing this out logically, they've got to get him right. And what they have done to date has not worked. Giving him five or six days between starts, skipping it out, it has not worked. I agree with you. If this is 10 days, I'd be very surprised. Well, and it's it's just wild to look at the the picture of the season. Everybody focuses on the greatness. And again, it is great. Um, but they do tend to ignore the other things. Like you just noted, um, six days off between starts, skip starts, other injuries. Like, what is this, our fourth injury yes. of the year with Jake DeGrom? And like three of them are different parts of his arm? I mean, you tell me, what's that mean? It means there's an arm injury. And I continually chuckle, Ray, like the Mets are saying, well, the MRI didn't show any structural damage. Okay, great. But I know he's got muscle issues. He's got tendon issues. He's hurt. Like it's happened four times this year. This is his second IL stint. 
And that's reported that, oh, you know, the MRI results came back and they were clean. And people are like, whew, what, yeah. what a relief. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I, and and I, I think what matters here, and everybody always thinks you're trashing Jake DeGrom. And no, you're not doing that. We're talking about the reality of the situation. When he is on the, on the field and on the diamond and on the hump, he's awesome. He's incredible. He's insanely good. But how much are we going to see him down the stretch? And if he's just sitting on your bench and not doing anything for you, I'm sorry. Newsflash, he can't be the most valuable pitcher. I'm sorry, because he's not out there. And, and Ray, we can, him and Han, say how great he is. But if he's not pitching, if he's not throwing, you know, even this year, if he doesn't get to 140 innings, I'm not all it's good, but I'm not like saying, oh, man, he is so easily the number one pick overall amongst pitchers. And yet I feel that's how a lot of people are going to treat it next year. They're not going to care about these injuries. Really, they're not going to care about anything. They're just going to say, wow, look how good he was when he was on the hill. And they're going to continue to have Jake DeGrom as the number one ranked pitcher. And even worse, they're going to draft him as like a top eight dude going into 2022. Yeah. And. Yeah, again, like you said, this is not bashing Jacob DeGrom. This is, though, I mean, <laughs> again, here's another. If, if the listeners of Fantasy Guru have been with us since last year, since before COVID, since last, well, during COVID, last year before the season began, I have sat here and said until my eyes bleed or my throat hurts, you got to be concerned about pitching. We got to keep building pitching. We got to worry about pitching. Stop drafting pitching early. It's a bad idea. We don't know workloads, perform. And it just it, every day this it gets ingrained even deeper into into the reality of the situation that all of these guys are a disaster, right? They're just all a disaster. And in the case of Degrom, we have a pitcher. Let's be very clear, who is legitimately having like one of the twenty five greatest seasons ever. Like if you look just at his performance, but we are in serious peril of having his records not even actually count because he's not going to throw one hundred sixty two innings. Mm-hmm. People are going to look back at the record, the leaders you know, in 10 years, his name's not going to show up. And that it doesn't matter. Like you said, if you're the most dominant guy going, it's like a closer being dominant, but not getting saves. It's great to have 15 strikeouts and a 0.8 whip. It's great. But if the guy gets 21 saves and, you know, Ian Kennedy gets 22, well, there you go. So it's, yeah. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get moving forward. We don't know how he's going to be managed moving forward. We don't know if he's going to stay healthy once he returns. We certainly can't feel good again. And, and think about that. We can't feel good as we do this podcast of him qualifying for the ERA title. He's supposed to be the best pitcher in baseball, something we, you and I have said for three months. The best pitcher in baseball can't go seven innings. The best pitcher in baseball can't throw 95 pitches. What's going on? Yeah, and, and that ERA title and really all the titles that you can qualify for, you know, in effect, you got to throw 162 innings. You know, but really an inning for every team game. I think today on this Monday, uh, we are getting set for the 91st Mets game, and DeGrom has 92 innings. So he qualifies right now. <laughs> but, but, but we'll see if he continues to qualify. And I, I always bring up, and I, every time I bring it up, I'm not saying this is the end-all be-all, but it's very easy to, to surf around and to see things and to you know, organize all that stuff. I go to Razzball, and they have their player reigning, and they, they give a, a monetary value to each player. And if you look at Jake DeGrom, Ray, um, he's the number one pitcher, uh, $34.70 is kind of what he's earned. But that's eighth in baseball. Like Tatis is over 50. Vlad Jr. is right at 50. Otani's like at 49. That's as a hitter, 49. Um, Acuna is still sitting at 42. Trey Turner, 39. Bo Bichette, 38. 
Marcus Simeon, 37, Jake DeGrom right at 35. But if you look at his dollars per game, Jake DeGrom is right there with Fernando Tatis. And if you look at dollars per game for pitchers, to put this in perspective, Ray, per game, again, per game, Jake DeGrom is worth $54. But because he's not out there every five days, you're seeing him knock, knock, knock all the way down to $35 compared to Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman right now is $30.50, according to Brasball. Per game, he's at 36.8. So, Ray, per game, he's not close to DeGrom, how they figure it. Right. He's, he's, he's not the guy. But for the season, he's very close to DeGrom because Gaussman takes the ball. And if we have another two, three weeks of this, if DeGrom misses two or three weeks, now we're talking about, you know, he's, he's right there, say, with a, with a Gaussman. It's crazy to say. But uh, Garrett Cole, Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, um, Carlos Rodon, he's falling right back to the pack because while those guys are pitching, Jake DeGrom just isn't. And, and that's how you've got to treat things in fantasy. People want to look at raw numbers and say, that's it. But in a ratio world, in a world where we need you out there every five days, Jake DeGrom's value is now taking a significant hit. Yeah. We had this discussion on the weekend on Sirius X and fantasy sports radio We're on 10 to 12 Fridays, three to five Saturdays and Sundays. Those are all Eastern times for now. The times could change with football season. Uh, but we had this discussion about running backs, and we talk, we we're talking about the PPR running back. The people can find that article on the other side at Fantasy Guru, the PPR running back myth, where Kyle and I talked about the dependency upon running backs that g- generate the majority of their value as pass catchers. We were talking about that, and, and I said, well, what, what do you think, Kyle? You think 50% of the big games by these PPR running backs are on the bench? You, I mean, on, in the starting lineup? And you said, Ray, yeah. I think it's even lower than that. You yeah. said, I bet it's below 40%. And I bring that up because I think it's a similar thing. It's not like anyone with Jacob DeGrom would ever intentionally bench him if he's pitching, right? But some leagues, how is your league set up? Do you set your lineup on Monday? Have you been setting DeGrom in there and just taking zeros when he doesn't pitch? Have you just left them active even when, you know, there's been concerns? You know, we we talk about, oh, I got to get him back in my lineup. Does that mean you have to drop a player in order to do that? So it's one of these scenarios that maybe DeGrom is a isn't a great example because I think everyone would pitch him regardless every time, but that's something that often gets overlooked and it's directly applicable to your point, Kyle. And that is that we tend to look at the overall production of guys. And sometimes we don't look at it close enough. In the case of Gaussman, he just takes the ball and it's just good. He just takes uh-huh. the ball and just good. DeGrom, it's like, well, is he going to get you five innings? Is he going to throw three innings this time? Is he going to start? Is he going to face the giants? Wait, are they going to back him up? Is he facing the Rockies? Like you don't, you know, and there's there's the risk you run of these guys that aren't consistently in the lineup of you not always capturing all their performance, even when they are in the lineup. People people tend to forget that there are still people that set lineups once a week. Uh-huh. And if you've got to make that decision and you don't know if a guy's going to pitch that week, do you have him active just because he's Jacob DeGrom? The answer is, I don't know. Well, and the other reminder here is you still have to build the pitching staff, even if you draft or have Jake DeGrom. Or any great starter. I don't care. You know, Walker Bueller's been healthy. Uh, Gaussman's been healthy. You still have to have a pitching staff. You still have to have so many guys behind these dudes. Like, if you, if you look at DeGrom, he, he threw five innings from April 29th to May 24th. Five innings. So, what is that? In effect, three weeks he didn't pitch. Um, now, you're going to have what I would say. Here, here's my gut read on it. You're going to have zero innings from Jake DeGrom from July 8th to probably August 1st. It's another three weeks. So really that's six weeks where in effect six weeks, you got five innings 
yeah. from Jake DeGrom. Um, that's why you need a staff. Yep. That, that's why you need pitching depth. And of course, this goes to an overarching discussion of pitching, but you will hear people, oh, I have such an advantage. I go with that pitcher in the first round, such an advantage. Well, here's a perfect case. You got an advantage when he plays, but what do you do on those other six weeks? <laughs> you, know, you, you better have pitching. And as we get into like trade deadlines with fantasy baseball, Ray, it's, you know, that's something to keep in mind. People may say, oh, I've got enough pitching here. I can give up some of it. Be very careful with what you give up. Oh, yeah. I, and I think that, and this is something I've run into a lot, you know, in the chat room, people ask their questions over at Fantasy Guru. For those of you that don't know, part of the package at Fantasy Guru is you have access to our experts all the time. You leave a question, you get an answer. I'm in there all the time. And I, I constantly get questions from people. And then some people's league setups are different and weird and okay, okay. But I, I constantly hear, well, you know, things like, I need to improve my pitching. I'm going to drop Cole Irvin too. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you need pitching help, I know Cole Irvin's not a star, but why are you dropping a usable piece if you need help in pitching? Because everyone needs help in pitching. It's something that Kyle and I were joking about on Sunday. I was looking at the waiver wire in my leagues and it's a ghost town. It's a wasteland. There is nothing there. And, you know, we're, we're what, 90, 90, 95 games in here for these teams. And I'm almost to the point where I got to start rolling relievers because these pitchers suck. <laughs> so if you've got in my, you know, I'm in 15 team mixed leagues. Okay. Right. But if you've got a usable piece, be very cautious in dropping that when you go to the wave wire, or mm -hmm. as Kyle noted, giving it up in a trade because everyone needs that. It's a finite supply and it is shrinking. And for the Jake DeGrom owner, again, timetable, we just don't know. Um, I do know this. When I see forearm injuries for pitchers, I worry. It's, it's sometimes even worse than elbow <laughs> or shoulder. Um, so we'll see. And, and I think he's going to pitch again. Don't, don't doubt that. And he'll probably still be good. But how much Jake DeGrom are we going to get over the last 70 games? That, that, that's the key question. I, I wonder if we'll get 10 starts. I wonder if we'll get eight starts from Jake DeGrom. And, and let's say it's eight starts, Ray. That will mean for the season, you know, Jake DeGrom's looking at 23 starts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I don't know how many guys are going to have more than 23, but my bet would be 50, 60 other guys. Probably more than that. We'll have more than 23. Right. Yeah. None of those guys will have a season as great as DeGrom, but you're missing seven, eight starts there. And I think that's what we got to, be realistic about now th this story will be truly written by the end of the year. Uh, but like I said, I think people will ignore whatever happens this year and you know, Oh, he's so good. And he'll be the number seven pick overall next season. Now, while we talk about great numbers that are not helping you because they're injured, um, Ray, we did mention some pitchers and I, I, I thought it would be a good spot in the two hole to talk about great numbers being put up by pitchers who are helping. Um, you know, Zach Wheeler, I feel like we never talk about him really good mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. Mentioned Kevin Gaussman. Walker Bueller has been lost in the shuffle, which mm -hmm. is kind of remarkable to say. Right. He's been really good. Um, you know, Woodruff gets a lot of love. Freddie Peralta has been good. I, it, it, I got to speak of the other Peralta, Ray. What the hell's going on with Willie Peralta right now? <laughs> Detroit. I mean, he's better than any of these guys right, right now. <laughs> well, we asked Steve Phillips, the former GMs on with us Sundays on Sirius XM. And I asked the question because he went out and had another strong effort Sunday. And I don't remember exactly what Steve said, but it was kind of like, ah, no, thanks. You know, it was <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. And, you know, I wrote about him earlier in the week and this is fascinating earlier last week, excuse me. He, Willie Pralt is 32 years old. 
And the last time that he was an effective starter in the big leagues was 2014. Let that sink in for a second. That is a long time. And basically since 2017, he's just been trying to get someone to let him throw 35 innings out of the bullpen. Like he's vanished from importance. And all of a sudden he's back with the Tigers and he's rolling along and the strikeout rate is awful. It's five and a half per nine innings. He does, he's not missing 15.9% strikeout rate is pathetic. Okay. It's just pathetic. His walk rate is league average. Okay. So we don't have anything fancy time going on there. We do have a 187 batting average of balls in play, which is impossible to sustain. We have a seven, a 90% left on base percentage, which is impossible to sustain. We've got batted ball data that suggests he's a little bit worse than league average. It's close, but a little bit worse than league average. So at the end, the only positive thing I can say about him is A, he's starting for the team and B, he's got a good ground ball rate. That's it. There is nothing in his track record. There's nothing in his profile. There's no dominance. There's nothing here. And let's not also forget that it's quite possible the Tigers could trade Peralta and Peralta then could become a swing man for someone else. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it's one of those scenarios, right, Kyle? Like he can't be on waivers now. We just talked about it. Someone's got to pick him up. Someone's got to roll the dice. I don't really want it to be my team. Yeah, you said he can't be on waivers. I, I didn't even put a bid in on him. And I added everybody with a heartbeat over the weekend, but man, did, didn't go that Willie Peralta route. You know, looking at that top 10, DeGrom's number one, Gaussman number two. Those are the only two guys um, earning in effect over $28. They're both over 30 uh, Garrett Cole, despite some of my disappointments with him, and we've talked about those before, he's he's still getting it done. Complete game the other night with, with mm-hmm. a six-inning win against Boston. Woodruff is in there at four. Then Bueller, Rodon, Wheeler, Freddie Peralta, Max Scherzer still top ten. Trevor Bauer hanging on by a thread. Of course, we don't know when we're going to see Trevor Bauer again. Corbin Burns, Desclafani, Lance Lynn, Chris Bassett, Robbie Ray. Think about that, Ray. The top fifteen features Kevin Gaussman. Carlos Rodon, Anthony Desclafani, Chris Bassett, and Robbie Ray. <laughs> those are three dudes, or five dudes, excuse me. I think all five of those dudes drafted outside the first 18 rounds. You have to remind me where Gaussman was going, but it was pretty low. Probably outside the top 15 rounds, all five of those guys. All, all, I, all I hear, though, Kyle is uh, I hear a lot of Barry baseball there. That's what I hear. Um, <laughs> Two. Oh, no, Chris three. Bass. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, three, three. Um, I, I think that it's remarkable that we have some of those names there because clearly they were not profiled at all to be at that level of the draft. Um, you you have breakout players all the time. We, we see that every year. To that level, like that's not just a breakout. That's a super starring effort from a guy kevin gaussman whose adp was about 135 kyle is that who you asked that was 11th round 11th 12th round. yeah yeah yeah. so he was you know but um it's just you know you you wouldn't expect levels of production from a lot of these guys descofani was 440 um and i I, you know speaking of descofani i did write very favorably about him i do have him on multiple teams i hope the listeners do too um because we i kind of piggybacked up well Gaussman had the one-year ad with the Giants let's see if we can get that with Descafani and obviously it's not to the same level but you take out the two beatings that Descafani's had at the Dodgers and his ratios are spectacular mm-hmm. like the, we've talked about a lot Giants are rolling right now um and Chris Bassett someone that we've discussed too off air um he surprised me I know he surprised you a little bit but probably me more but dude is just locked in he's damn good 
Yeah, um, I will remind you, Ray, um, after those three guys in the top 15, there's not another Bay Area pitcher until like 45 overall. That's Sean Mania. So let's yeah, not get the, carried away. Well, look at the bullpen. Tyler Rogers, Jake <laughs> McGee. Woo! <laughs> oh, you might be able to throw Yasmero Petit in there with all the yeah, wins. That's true. There. All his victory. <laughs> he's, he's kind of surging. So a little love for the other guys uh, there as we look at some pitching coming off the DeGrom news. Let's go to the three spot. It is July 19th, which means, uh, what, we're 11 days away from the official trading deadline. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, you mentioned we were talking to Steve Phillips yesterday. He expects a lot of big names to be on the move. Uh, we are seeing rosters change. We're seeing more trade rumors as we go to the three spot. Let's not only talk about trades, but also call-ups because Ray, I think the call-up news right now is the bigger news. Um, in the last three or four days, we've had Jaron Duran uh, called up by Boston and the Angels called up Brandon Marsh on Sunday. Uh, both these guys were highly uh, sought after, I know, in uh, waiver markets over the weekend. And we'll get to some of the prices they brought in. Uh, but Duran and Marsh, I, I don't want to call them difference makers and I don't want to get carried away. But, you know, if, if you're saving your money for rookies, I guess these were two rookies that you're certainly bidding on uh, here in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I think that I ended up with Brandon Marsh in multiple leagues this weekend. Um, and you, you know, you will talk about our, our Series X and Host League in a bit. Um, I also ended up with Duran in one league in Tout Wars. And, you know, it was... I, I, again, these leagues I'm in, the, the Tout Wars League is 12 teams, Series XM is 12 teams, and then all over the league I'm in is 14 or 15. So when you add those two or three extra teams, it's not just the pitching, it's the offensive side of things. It's just barren. And and so when you see a guy like Marsh or Duran get called up, you, you I think you need to be aggressive at this point of the season because it's not likely that we're going to see a lot of, you know, Tyler Naquin second halves from out of nowhere people. It, it happens, but it's not common. And with so many injuries spread out across the landscape of baseball and with so many leagues having IL spots, if you've got every team with four or five players on the injured list, none of those players are on the waiver wire. And so it becomes a scenario where if I can find a guy that I think can be a, a solid performer, let's say, you know, Brandon Marsh is David Peralta like, you know, if he's that kind of guy, like I need to get in, you know, if, if Duran runs and he's like Tommy Pham, I need to get in. Um, the trade markets in most of the leagues I'm in are pretty much non-existent. So both these two players and Duran and Marsh in particular, Kyle, are guys that are young, talented, should get a chance to play every day or for the majority of the starts, I should say, at least because Duran might sit against some lefties as we saw. But there's just not that many players that are going to be given opportunities that have these guys skills and playing time outlooks the rest of the way. Well, and I want to talk about that playing time, right? I think Duran's at a pretty good spot. Um, you know, he, he'll face all the righties, and they, they've said some lefties. Of course, we all know on night one against Jordan Montgomery, who's not a great lefty, he said. But, okay, I understand it. I'm wondering about Marsh because, you know, does that indicate the fact they finally called him up? Uh, does it indicate what the status is of Upton and Trout? Mm -hmm. Like with Trout, we're hearing nothing. I would have thought when that injury first happened, we'd be on a rehab assignment by now. Uh, but we're not anywhere near that, it sounds like. And Upton, it's probably more negative than positive just because that's been very slow to heal. Um, they did just go out and um, um, add Adam Eaton last week when he was released. So I, I kind of feel the Angels are maybe a little worried about their outfield right now. So maybe Mar maybe there is some... That, that was my hang-up with Marsh. It's right. like I'm looking at this and it's like, man, when Upton and Trout are back, but when are they going to be back? And so I, I made bids on Marsh. I added them in one league. I came up short in another. 
Uh, but I, I, I guess maybe that gives us a slight indicator or you can play the guessing game on what the status is for Upton and Trout. Yeah. And you know, this is always my hang up with the young players. There's it's a twofold thing, right? It's, are they going to perform quickly when given the opportunity and be what's the playing time outlook. And you can play a scenario out where Marsh plays virtually every day, the rest of the way you can play another scenario out where he's with the team for two weeks, <laughs> you know, and let's not, let's not forget Joe Adele who, you know, has had a varied track record of performance. He's been really awful at the major league level. He's been really good at the minor league level. Still, there, the strikeouts have crept back into his game this year, and that continues to be an issue. Making contact for him is the big issue. And I guess the Angels are just not confident enough in his overall game right now to feel great about rolling him out there every day because, you know, you look at his minor league performance, and Joe Adele's got a 925 OPS with 19 home runs in 62 games. Like, you, that's pretty much as good as you can expect right and they went with Brandon Marsh so um, again I, I weighed all the factors I bid on Marsh because of everything I laid out but your you know counterpoint position is fair it's not just Trout it's not just Upton it's also Adele so there are options and I guess that I mean there are options for the Angels if Marsh struggles at all, or if they just feel like they should go in a different direction. Well, and, and Duran, just to speak to the talents here, Ray, there's, there's a speed component here that can help everybody. Mm -hmm. um, with Marsh, I mean, it's, it's nothing that really jumps off the page as a great attribute, but he's probably surpassed Adele as the lead prospect in that, that Angels organization. Um, and, you know, he's probably one of the top 10 to 12 hitting prospects in baseball. Uh, now, that doesn't mean immediate success. I don't need to remind anybody of, of what we've seen from some of the other guys. Uh, but I think, especially in the case of Durant, if you got him, uh, you're hoping for steals here. You're, you're hoping that the Red Sox actually let him run. Yeah, and I, I threw the comp out in his player profile. It's over at the site, fantasyguru.com. You can go check it out. And I threw the comp out. I said, look, if everything goes right, this is Tommy Pham. Because Duran has added the power component. He remade his physique. He worked out with his father, gained weight, strength, started lifting the baseball more this year. He'd always been a line drive kind of hitter. Now he's evolved into a guy that gap to gap and can get it over the fence. So he added that component to the 70 speed on the 2080 scale. Everyone, you know, understands this dude's blazing fast, like just blazing fast. If he's not stealing 20 bases regularly at the major league level, even in today's game, there's a problem. So you know, he could be he could be Andrew Benintendi, Tommy Pham like, which I know to some people, uh, hey, man, if the rest of the way he hits seven home runs and steals me 10 bases, I'm in. You know, and that's that's where people need to be. They need to understand the value of especially those stolen bases, as you mentioned. I just hope neither guy gets brouhaned, called up and told to sit on the yeah, bench. What is that, Kyle? What what is Because people have been asking me and I'm like, look, it's the Rays, which I know is stupid, but. It is the Rays, and they've got a plan, and we don't necessarily know what it is, but why Why call up Bruhan if if the plan is just never to use him? I don't understand it at all. I, I, I The only thing – well, again, it's not the only thing I can dream up, but I, I wonder if um, it's to see, okay, is this guy – well, you got to play him to figure out if he can handle it. I, I mean, maybe they just want to get, get their own eyes on him, watch him in BP, watch him play different positions, because the Rays are probably in the market for some sort of trade. And so maybe what they think of Bruhan allows them to trade somebody else because they think he can play in the outfield or they think he can, you know, handle second base or third base or whatever it is. So that may be the possibility, but again, you'd rather have him in the lineup to see what he can do if you're trying to like get recon going into the trade deadline. So 
it is confusing. Um, I'd like to think he's going to get more playing time, but I own Bruhan somewhere well so in, in a day by day league. And at least the good news is I can pull him out of my lineup. But for weekly leaguers, it's it's maddening. Now, those are call ups. We, we, we did have a trade in the last few days, Ray. Um, Jock Peterson flipped to Atlanta. Um, and, and this is a rather boring player unless you're looking for home runs, which he can provide. But playing time is probably a bit better for Peterson going to Atlanta and leaving Chicago. And that could be the first of many trades that the Cubs are making over the next 10 or so days. Yeah. And the Peterson scenario, he is what he is. Okay. And again, I've never, never regretted saying anything I've said about him because the industry as a whole, for some reason, thinks he's something he's not. He's a 230 hitter that's going to hit 27 home runs. Whoopie do. Okay. That's who he is. Okay. He gets on base at a fair clip, especially relative to his batting average. And the last couple of times for the Braves, he's hit leadoff. So yeah. if he's hitting leadoff, you know, certainly a guy to pay attention to. You could because, you know, he's in front of Albies and Freeman and Riley and Swanson and the whole crew. Um, but it does signal, and we did talk to Steve Phillips about this too. Steve Phillips joked with us on Sunday and basically said he thought every Cubs player making more than $9 was going to get traded. <laughs> so, you know, that's... We'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do they tear the whole organization down? Do they get rid of Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and just start new? To me, that sounds bizarre. But there are a lot of baseball people, including Steve, who suggested who and suggest that that is a legitimate possibility for a team that's looking to rebuild. Yeah, just depends on what the uh, ask is for those guys. Um, and, and the Cubs may think they have a good enough relationship really with all those guys that they could bring them back in free agency while at the same time kind of strengthening their minor league system. Uh, let's go to the cleanup spot. Uh, Rob Pobia's weekly planner. And I stuck it in the cleanup spot, Ray, because one of the first things that Rob has this week is talking about Jock Peterson because Atlanta is set for a seven game week. And right now the pitching pairings has all right handers Fantastic. For, for, yeah. <laughs> for Jock Peterson. So this would be the week to make sure, make certain he's in your starting lineup. Absolutely. Because one thing we do know is Duke can hit uh, right handed pitching. Can't hit lefties, but he can hit right handed pitching. Um, and again, the the matchups could always change, right? Okay, but that's where we're set now. The White Sox also have the same scenario where they're facing seven right-handed pitchers as well. So there's a couple of teams that have not only a game every day, they've got some pretty interesting matchups on the hill. And this will be a chance maybe for a two-start week for Shohei Itani. We, we talked a lot about that in the preseason, Ray, and we haven't had one yet. Do you think he pulls it off? He, he is scheduled to pitch Monday against Oakland and then mm -hmm. this upcoming weekend. You think he'll actually do it? No. <laughs> come up with an excuse do you think he'll do it i mean with the all-star they can all-star game home run derby i'd be surprised ah they're back in it the angels are they making are. a bit of a run yeah. um their pitching's coming around and and right now la is nine games back i don't think they're catching houston but talk about the wild card race they're within three or four games um you know before you laugh and say oh the angels are in it i mean they're what are they two games back of of the yankees I mean, if you think the Yankees are in it, I guess you have to think the Angels are in it. A lot of work to do, but at least they have something to play for. And Otani um, is probably their most feared pitcher. But as Rob talks about in the article, Ray, a um, little bit of love should go to a couple of Angel, uh, other Angel starters, uh, Alex Cobb and and uh, Sandoval. Uh, Pablo Sandoval, not Pablo, um, but... Um, why am I I'm blanking on his first name, too. Oh, my gosh. We're all going to we're going to fall apart here with all these Patrick. Patrick. Sandoval. Patrick, yeah. yes. Okay, Sandoval and Cobb. Um, see, they deserve a lot more respect, so I can pick up on Patrick Sandoval's first name. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, these are two guys under the radar. Again, nothing dominant, but a little bit of love, certainly for Sandoval, who's kind of been on a roll the last two months or so. 
Yeah, and this is this is what always happens to me too. I feel for Rob because he writes that and he's right, and then Sandoval goes and has his worst game of the year where he gives up six I runs. Know. You know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but but the point is valid. Um, Sandoval has pitched extremely well. He's been extremely consistent. He's going five innings every time out, so he's qualifying for the victory. He's given two or three runs up, and he's getting you a strikeout an inning, if not more. So he he has pitched well. You know, the six-man rotation thing always, you know, causes a little bit of concern with the Angels, but Sandoval has basically developed into what the Angels had hoped Griffin Canning would be, um, and he just hasn't gotten there. So Sandoval's intriguing with that changeup of his, and, and I agree with Rob that he's certainly uh, in play this week to start. A lot of pitching insight, schedule insight. You can find it at uh, Fantasy Guru, um, Rob Povia's weekly plan, or any updates it throughout the week. So uh, check that out. It usually comes out on a Sunday, and again, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all through the week, uh, things are updated. Moving along, we go to the five spot, and uh, let's stay with the Angels. And, Ray, I think it's about time we do a player profile of David Fletcher, um, a man who literally, about five weeks ago, Ray, I was ready to dump in one of my 12-team leagues. And I think even on this podcast a few weeks back, it was over a month ago, but I said, man, David Fletcher is one of my letdowns. You know, I, I, I took him because he's batting lead off for the Angels and he's ahead of Trout. He's ahead of Otani. And it was such a disaster that eventually the Angels dropped them to nine. I mean, all the way to the and It's very tough to hold on to a guy like David Fletcher if he's hitting ninth. So, Ray, I, I him and hawed a couple of times. And I think I even put him up to drop one weekend, but I didn't get the guy. And I guess it was one of the best moves I didn't make uh, because in the last five weeks, David Fletcher has been roping singles all in eight. They're singles, but everybody needs batting average help. And David Fletcher is going crazy with the batting average right now. Yeah. He, and good job, Kyle. We're talking about a guy who just lost his hitting streak. Um, I know, but we need to bring this up. Um, I don't want it to be forgotten. Yes. Well, his last, let's put it in perspective here. Okay. His last 27 games, He's had a hit in 26 of them. Second longest hitting streak in Angels history, I think. Um, he had a 448 on base percentage. He had a 602 slugging percentage. So it wasn't, there was only two of them. Not runs. all singles. Not all singles. <laughs> uh, but he hit 434. 434. And, you know, to your point, Kyle, the first 11 games in this hitting streak, he was hitting ninth. So it even took him half the hitting streak before they bumped him back up. But now he's hitting leadoff. And, you know, your favorite category and no one else's because they don't pay attention to it. 27 games played, 21 runs scored. So we have a guy who, you know, here is hitting like he's George Sisler and scoring runs like he's Babe Ruth. Like, this is terrific stuff. And Fletcher, more power to you for having the patience to hold on to him because his value coming into the year was qualifying at multiple positions and hitting 290 while batting leadoff and scoring 80 runs, right? This was not a breakout player. There, a breakout for him would be hitting 330, right? There's no breakout potential here from him. And he was really bad. He doesn't bring power, doesn't really steal bases, and he's hitting 242, and you held on, and you were rewarded for that because he's, he's, he's exactly the kind of player that if you tie your wagon to at the start, for good reason, that you need to be as patient as you can be because – it was always likely he was going to hit. It's amazing it happened as fast as it did. But his lack of upper-end talent means you got to play the long game. And if you're not going to play the long game, don't draft a player like this. Yeah, well, and it speaks to the fact that for two months he sucked. And for the last month he's been unstoppable. Um, now, where do we go from here? And it, here's always the negative on Fletcher Ray is there's no homers. Um, yeah. 
I mean, the stolen bases, he may get 10, which would be great. You know, take 10 stolen bases. His ribbies are higher than I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, he's nearing 40, but, you know, are we getting over 55? I don't know. <laughs> you know that's a question. The runs scored are the key component because, you know, you get batting average and runs scored, like you said. And, Ray, I guess if he keeps getting on, Otani's clubbing home runs. And if you get Trout back, if you get Upton back, maybe if Marsh clicks, Rendon, let's not forget about him. Like there's still some run scoring potential here. And I would like to think, you know, this batting average hopefully can keep or the, the on-base percentage, not batting average, but the on-base percentage hopefully can keep going up. Even with this run, he's at like 340, which is fine. But Ray, last year, 375, the year before that, 384. I mean, there could be more on-base percentage to come here. There could be. Uh, and I, I do find it interesting, too, that, you know, because of this amazing run, his numbers, I, I, I bet, I bet, and people, oh, no, I, I'm telling you, folks, go look at Adam Frazier's numbers, put them on a page, get, get Dave Fletcher's numbers, put them on a page, blank out the names, and ask your friends. No one's going to tell the difference. Hmm. The run score difference, as we sit here and record this podcast, there's a 13-point batting average difference. Maybe people will get Frazier because of that. It's 326 to 313. But it's two, four home runs for Frazier, two for, for Fletcher, so who cares? Fletcher has seven more RBIs. Fletcher has scored a single run more, and he has one less steal. They're exactly the same player. And everyone has been talking about Frazier and the All-Star game and how terrific he has been with this run of late. David Fletcher's the same guy. Well, as I noted, I tried to give him up, but uh, somebody outbid me on another player. So Fletcher stayed on my team. And and good news, he's he's now been helping my team. I've been really good in batting average in that league, so I haven't necessarily like risen in the standings because of Fletcher, but I've maintained that batting average lead. And the league I have him in is where we go next in the six-hole, Ray. It's in that Sirius XM host league. And although I got shut out on some unnamed player, you know, five, six weeks ago when I tried to dump Fletcher, um, I made sure last night I didn't get shut out on guys. I, I pretty well opened the bank account, Ray, and just spent. Um, I got Jaron Duran. I needed Merrill Kelly. That's how bad my pitching is. I needed Merrill Kelly. I bid on Merrill Kelly too, Kyle. <laughs> okay. Probably not what I bid. Uh, <laughs> Jed Lowry, which I knew Ray wouldn't bid on, but I thought some other smart guy in the league might. Uh, and then I had to get Jacob Stallings. I lost Jan Gomes, and I was like, you know, give me a catcher who can hit, who's okay. So I got Jacob Stallings. Um, I bid on Brandon Marsh, but he was kind of my secondary to Duran, so it was fine to get. But, Ray, I went all the way up to 159 on Jared and Duran. Okay? Yep. And, and before you say stupid Kyle, let me just say, Ray, we were talking about stolen bases with him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I made the move. If, if you look at the standings right now in our league, um, the stolen, and I think this goes for so many leagues out there, the stolen base roto scoring, it's tight. Um, I'm right in the middle of the pack. I've got 66 steals. The guy ahead of me is at 69. Ahead of that is 70, 75, 75. I'm nine steals out of second place. And I'm currently in sixth place. Um, I'm not going to win this league by the way, but like Ray and I always talk about, I'm trying to compete. I want to finish top five, top four, if I can. So, Ray, I looked at it and said, well, this is a stolen base guy. Hopefully, I'll go out and try to get him. It's probably a little high. Um, I don't really have a great roster spot for Duran. I'm kind of loaded in the outfield, so I'm going to have to play with things on the roster. Uh, But I did go to that big, big number. It was about 50% of my remaining waiver budget to make that grab. You and I are the only ones paying attention to that league? 
Like it's very weird. Um, I'll say this, Kyle. I bid 103, and I told you the story, I think. Maybe I didn't. Um, I think I did. Tout Wars ran our fab. We didn't have it last Sunday. We had it midweek right before the game started again. I bid 103 out of 1,000 on Duran and got him. I was the only person that bid on him. So I guess no one had seen the news in the last hour and a half and gotten to their computer and put a bid in. I spent 103. I felt very comfortable with that. You're at 159. In um, labor, I bid 16 out of 100 which is exactly the same as what yeah, you about did. About 160. Yeah. yeah. So, someone else went 21. Someone else went 16. So you're right in that area too. And if you look at the, I'm looking at a, a tweet here from Zach Roto talking about the NFBC's main event. There's 38 main event leagues. The average for Duran was 148. Okay. So I wasn't so far off. Yeah. You were, you know, you were right there in the mix. Um, I am surprised. I, I'm getting a little low on funds in that league. We're down under 150 now after this past weekend. So I, I bid, but I it just wasn't. I went for the Brandon Marsh direction because I knew I assumed he would be less expensive than Duran, and it just fit my budget better. Yeah, and I back ended the the bid on Duran in case somebody overshot me. Um, I had Marsh as my second grab, and I was at a, like 100 bucks on Marsh. Oh, I, I got it 41. So I, I would have gotten him. And, and yeah. again, I just you know was looking for somebody who can make an impact. I'm, I'm without Trout in that league, but hopefully he'll be back in a month. Uh, Lowry, hey, he's, he's hitting the ball. He's still okay. pretty good. Um, I mentioned the thing with Stallings as a second catcher. Merrill Kelly, I, 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 I'm in the thick of it with wins. Mm -hmm. And you know, I look at him and maybe there's a trade. People are going to say, why did you take a guy from Arizona to get wins? I'm kind of also hoping for a trade there. I think he could actually go to a decent team at the deadline. So um, I think he's got a two-start week as well um, coming up. So I, I made that grab. Uh, it was very quiet in the league on the waiver wire. Ray, you did get Marsh. You also grabbed Chris Paddock. And I looked at Chris Paddock, but man, I just couldn't get past all the ugly numbers he's had lately. Yeah, and really, I mean, the, the top four guys that I've been on on the Hill were Merrill Kelly, Tyler McGill, Tanner Houck, and Chris Paddock. So, and I basically bid the same price on all of them. I mean, they were all, you know, so um, I, just, I really wanted to get one of them. Uh, and I took a chance on Paddock. And was that the right call given the other options? Obviously, I think so, because he was the guy I chose. But again, I, I bid a dollar more than I did on Tanner Houck. It wasn't like it was aggressive on him compared to the field. Um, this is a game, this is a league where our team has been really, really good, um, in the ratio categories, but we, we need wins and, you know, Chris Paddock can throw me five or six innings, get that run support. I played the same kind of game you did with Merrill Kelly thinking he'd get traded. I'm hoping that Chris Paddock just stabilizes. Go ahead and go six innings and have an area of four and a half. Just get, get, get a win. Like if he can do that, I'll be happy. Well, and, and look at the league. And again, we're both in the same league. You were talking about needing wins and you do. Um, but look where I'm at in wins. I, I'm ahead of you by a pretty substantial margin. Let's do a trade. Well, no, look what I need. Look at this, right? I'm at 57 wins. That's ninth place in the 12 team league. Second place, or let's just say third place is 63 wins. Yeah. So when you're trying to make up ground, you got to look at the areas that you can make up ground. Absolutely. I'm I'm six wins down. And if I can somehow, so, not likely, but if I can somehow, some way, find those six, seven extra wins, I could move all the way up to third, which is a six, seven point jump at a Roto League. It's huge. Yeah. So again, both my bids, it, and that's why it's always, people always say, Harold Kelly sucks, or man, you bid too much on Jared Durant. It's all specific to 
where you can make a move, what you need. And for me, I kind of said I can make a move in steals. I can make a move in wins. And so that's my goal. I got a lot of starting pitching. And Rhea, you know, there's a league where we can make daily changes. I will be constantly moving guys in and out of the lineup to make starts. And if I don't like the start, I'll bench the guy. Like tonight, I've got Ross Stripling going against Boston. He's on my bench. Even though I need wins, uh, you know, I can also use ratios. So I don't like Ross Stripling against Boston. But Tony Gonson against San Francisco, I'll take a shot there. And those are the kind of guys I'm trying to get wins from. You know, it's I, I do have Burns and I do have um, Giolito and, you know, Tyler, Molly, Ian Anderson, these guys. But Anderson went on the DL. So I, I got to get some wins somewhere. And I sure as hell ain't getting them from Patrick Corbin, who I'm still holding on to. <laughs> you know, so, right, right. But we'll see how it goes. But that was my, you know, looking at those categories and. I, I would just say for Roto Leagues, Ray, pay attention to where you can make moves, and those are the spots you should be attacking. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, in that league in particular, John Means is on my team. He's on the injured list. should be back this week. David Price just moved into the starting rotation. Madison Bumgarner's off the injured list now. So, you know, I'm going to catch you, Kyle. I'm coming. No, you're not. You're 15 um, down to me. Um, but, yeah, no, you got to – and I talked about this last week at the All-Star break. This is, Now is the time to really start eyeballing the standings. You're totally right because, you know, and it's always hard for people. And I talk about this a lot. So hopefully people, when they follow the podcast and the, the radio shows and the articles and the chat room, they get the idea of what I'm saying here. And, and that the point being that sometimes you make a move like Merrill Kelly, does it excite anyone? No, but you're, you're, you're targeting categories. Does making a trade where, you know, you're giving up the guy that's higher on the player rater to get the guy that's ranked lower on the player rater, is that a bad trade? Well, not necessarily. Maybe it's the category you're playing. So, you know, we're, we're playing, we're not, we're not trying to have 58 more home runs than everyone else. We just need one more home run than everyone else, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so it's okay to start looking at the standings and help, having that play heavily into the way you do the waiver wire as well as the trade market. Well, you're well ahead of me in, in the whip ratio, but now that you have Chris Paddock, I think I can make a move there on you too. Quite possibly. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, fair. That's, that's the plan. I was glad to see you get Chris Paddock. Like, ratio, yeah, I'm going to catch him. Uh, let's move to the seven spot. Some news and notes. Um, over the weekend, a setback for Steven Strasburg. Just forget it. Neck injury setback. Who He's knows on my team in that league too, by the way. Ugh, well, you got what you deserved, right? Thank you. Well, we picked wow. him like in the ninth or tenth round, I think. We We tried. <laughs> we tried. Uh, Mookie Betts dealing with some hip irritation and, and the Dodgers say, oh, he's actually had it all year. Well, that could explain the slow start, I guess, but we'll, we'll see with Betts. I got, I figure he's going to play through it. Jazz Chisholm coming up injured with a shoulder injury. He is set for an MRI. Didn't look very good. Uh, the bigger one might be Francisco Lindor Ray oblique injury. So, I mean, his first year just continues to kind of snowball. It's, it's a very for, you know, they're in first place, so he could still make the playoffs, but Lindor is not really doing his thing. And the Mets were finally getting healthy and, now DeGrom and Lindor uh, both on the shelf. And, and right now the Mets have a two-game lead in the East. But, man, you knock those two guys out of the picture, and this becomes really interesting in the National League East. Yeah, Cohen apparently will spend, right? He wants to win, so that's a positive for the Mets. But that those are two huge losses. Then you had you know, Taiwan Walker with his disastrous play on Sunday. He got one out, right, and gave up five or six runs. I mean, ugh. So that, that this is a team that is kind of like the Giants, right? It's like they got pieces, but – you know, it's kind of hard to see them holding on with the way things are currently constructed. Um, Lindor, it, it's been a rough year. Like you said, I, it's interesting. I, I tweeted out the information about Strasburg getting that, you know, $175 million in the next five years, whatever the hell it is. And 
people people then attached comments and thoughts that and, and there was a couple of people going back and forth saying Lindor contract's the worst in baseball history and I'm like oh, folks he's no 27 way. years old and he's yeah. played 85 games or whatever the hell it's like let's not put him in the Steven Strasburg category of a 36 year old pitcher who's going to be making 35 million dollars that's a little ridiculous not at all not at all yeah that's that's silly talk that's New York talk there um and then quickly uh Pittsburgh had that number one overall pick a little over a week ago in the MLB entry draft they used it on a catcher Henry Davis out of Louisville uh worth noting he has signed and Ray he signed for six and a half million bucks you might say wow that's pretty awesome for a 20 year old yeah it's, it's pretty awesome but it's worth noting. Uh, by rule, Ray, I mean, he had every chance to kind of, quote unquote, hold out for like over eight million. He pretty well said, I'm going to help you with some other signings because baseball has a cap on how much you can give all these draft picks. And in effect, the number one overall pick uh, kind of said, I'll take less money, um, you know, a mil and a half, two million bucks. And you can go give that to other guys to make sure they come into the organization. Um, it may not matter three, four years from now. And again, six and a half million bucks. It's, you know, more money than Henry Davis has ever thought of probably. But um, I thought that was interesting, Ray, a guy taking less to maybe help out the organization on day one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were some people that questioned the pick, of course, right? Because, you know, first overall for a catcher seems risky. And, then and it's Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and, you know, it was, it, but when you dig into it, you know, I, I understood the same thing you laid out, that there there was a plan here. They're going to spread the money out to different guys. Gonna... So, you know, I mean, more power to the player, more power to the organization if they can work it out. Obviously, they don't have a great track record of working things out. Let's hope that this is the start of a, a new era because it's been a while since that team, team's been in, in the mix there. But interesting that he was the number one pick and what they did with that contract. Mm -hmm. Time now for our random reference, a chance to go over to baseballreference.com and click their random page, see what we come up with and see where it leads us. The only thing we ask is that it has to be during the fantasy baseball era, which is uh, 1980 to the present, at least for our purposes. So we've got 40 plus years to look at. A game from 1973 is not going to work. So let's oh, not year, do though. that. A, um, a game from 2014 will work. Uh, White Sox at Tigers. September 22nd, 2014, a uh, 2 nothing win for the White Sox. Uh, this is back when Detroit was good, by the way. Um, Detroit was like aiming for, you know, World Series titles. This was the Ian Kinsler, Miggy Cabrera, Victor Martinez, JT Martinez, Castellanos, Torrey Hunter. That's a stacked team, right? Yeah. And you go through those names and that's, that's pretty impressive for, you know, what, seven, eight years ago. It sure was. Uh, and, you know, this was... Peak, peak, peak Miguel Cabrera time. And uh, Victor Martinez was uh, having a hell of a season as he was wont to do too. Uh, J.D. Martinez wasn't, was just on the edge of trying to, you know, J.D. Martinez wasn't that guy yet. But yeah, man, there's a, there's a lot of names there. And you look at that lineup and it wasn't not surprising to see that they were what? 16 games over 500 at the time. Yeah, check out who made the start for the White Sox. And again, they won this game 2-0. Uh, this was his, well, yeah, this was his major league first victory. Wow. Chris Bassett, who we were just talking about earlier. Wow. Seven and two-thirds shutout innings. Like that line, three strikeouts, one walk, six hits, no runs. Chris Bassett, that was his first ever MLB win back on September 22nd of 14. And, Ray, that's still what Chris Bassett is doing seven years later. Well, and even crazier, isn't it? Does anyone think when they say the name Chris Bassett that he started his big league career in 2014? 
Um, secondly, <laughs> like how about this? <laughs> yeah, he had two victories in his first four years in the majors. So this this you know, credit to this guy for what he has done, as we said earlier. And uh, that's wild that it, again, random reference, you hit the button and this is what came up. It's a guy that yeah. we talked about earlier in the show with a, a strong effort there announcing his presence with authority. Yeah, now he's a top 15 pitcher overall, amazingly. Look who um, the closer this... that game was for the Tigers, or at least the guy who pitched the last inning too, Kyle. How about that guy? Joaquin Soria and Joba Chamberlain, both those names. Yeah. Man, I like it. Anyway, that is our random reference for this evening. Um, over 30,000 at that game in Detroit. They don't even get that very often anymore. Although, hey, I give it up to the Tigers. Playing really good baseball this year. Maybe A.J. Hinch knows what he's doing. Like, that team's been actually way better than I think a lot of people expected. Uh, Ray, we get to the final spot in the starting nine. You guessed it, the number nine hitter. Stamp of approval time. Um, what are you giving your thumbs up to today? No, it's Jaws, dude. Come on. Um, That's why I said Jaws. Oh, I couldn't. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle. Oh, I, I, Come on, Ray. I'm not an idiot. I did it very well. That was so easily understood. Yeah. Um, my stamp of approval goes to Shark Week, but I have a caveat. Um, I love Shark Week. I used to, I have a hundred DVDs of recorded Shark Week shows and all that kind of stuff and watch them all. And I, the only caveat each year is it seems to get a little more over the top. So my caveat to the stamp of approval, which is Shark Week, which I love and everyone should love themselves, is we need to put a limit on the number of times the term massive or huge is used <laughs> per show. It's just like on, if you watch HGTV, the word awesome is five times every show. Okay. That <laughs> word needs to be removed. Huge or massive. A 12 foot shark is not huge or massive. Okay. I'm sorry. A nine foot shark is not huge or massive. I get the point. They're trying to upsell and everything. Just call it like it is. It's big for its species, or that's a great size bull shark. Or above average. Above, yeah, but huge and massive. A huge shark is 20 feet long. A massive shark is 4,000 pounds. If we're not there, pull back on the adjectives a little bit, but Shark Week gets the stamp of approval. You know, I was uh, going through the airports last week, Ray, and I guess Southwest Airlines hooked up with the guys from Shark Week, and they were handing out all sorts of shark paraphernalia. Oh, really? Yeah, they had some kind of weird agreement to promote it. Uh, it was I don't, know, I don't know. But that also leads to my um, stamp of approval. And it's an appreciation for people who um, often uh, <laughs> receive criticism. One would be the airline. Now, this was my first flight, Ray, um, since all the COVID stuff. Went to went to Phoenix and back. Um, and, you know, you've heard all these horror stories about security and being on planes and stuff. J just to say kudos and, and just my experience. But I throw this experience out because all I seem to hear is about the bad experiences. Right, That's all right. we read about. Right. It was really good. No issues. They, you know, line wasn't slow. Line wasn't too long. None of that. The air, airports were crowded, too. It's not like, you know, there was nobody there. So um, all the stewardesses and everybody involved, it, it was good. You know, not, not anything totally different outside of wearing a mask the whole time. And along with that, uh, we've all had bad Uber drivers and, and all oh, Uber isn't what it used to be. All, all the Uber drivers we had, we took probably seven or eight different ones. Mm -hmm. They were good. They were good. I, maybe one was off, but the others were all awesome. Um, the, 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 the one that was off, Ray, um, we got the car and he started talking about being in counterintelligence immediately. <laughs> I mean, within like half a minute. You, you really had to torture him to get the info, huh? Ah, oh, man, he was willing to talk and how um, 
guys in counterintelligence, they know exactly what's going on mm. with all this mass stuff. Wink, wink, as he touched his nose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. like, and I kind of entertained him for a bit, but my wife was a little freaked out. But <laughs> <laughs> It was a short ride. It was like a four-minute ride to the mall or something. So. <laughs> I've seen you in some pretty hairy situations over the years. You stay pretty calm, so I'm, I'm sure that your wife was happy that you were there to yeah, qualify the subject. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I kind of know that well, I don't know that world, but you know, I, I've read on it and seen stuff and my wife has no interest in that. And she's like, what in the world is this guy talking about? <laughs> so I, I got to talk to her once we got out. It was, it was kind of fun, but everything else in Uber was great. All the, all the drivers were good. So uh, stamp of approval for sometimes overlooked, underappreciated, criticized workers, airports, Uber drivers, you did good for me. That, that's all I ask. Uh, that will do it for us. Ray, where can the folks find you for the remainder of the week? On Twitter at Baseball Guys, on Instagram at The Ray Flowers. They can hear you and I both on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio on Friday nights from 10 to 12, Saturdays and Sundays from 3 to 5. All those times are Eastern. You can obviously find me also in the chat room. Uh, and just to let people know that I know it's really late in the year, but since you're listening to this free podcast, you can still get the subscription to baseball. And we have rankings. We have updates. I update the rankings the first of every month. We've got daily planner articles from Povia that we talked about. We've got fab articles. We've got the rookie write-ups. And we've got a chat room where I, I'm in there 12 hours a day answering questions. So you can do that. You can also pair up the baseball data with the football package. You can get a combo package. Or hey, you can just come and get the football package if you want. If you don't, Maybe baseball is done for you and you're just listening to this for fun. But our football package is up. We've got best ball stuff. We've got uh, dynasty stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean rankings, formulas, how to do it. PPR rankings, non-PPR rankings, dynasty rankings, chat room, live streams, all that kind of stuff over at fantasyguru.com if you want to get on the football. And Kyle, over to elitefantasy.com, you're still doing the live stream thing there. Yeah, doing that uh, come, let's see, Monday, Thursday, Friday, getting people set with the DFS game uh, each and every night starting at uh, 5.30. Actually, uh, let me get this straight, 5.30 Eastern is, is when we start that, taking you for a full hour and we get all the DFS riders on, kind of preview the matchups. We get you the lineups, late scratches, uh, kind of the analysis of who's a good play, an expensive play, guys to fade, guys to embrace, stacks to enjoy, all that, no doubt. So uh, we keep you busy um, here at Fantasy Guru and also EliteFantasy.com. Um, I do want to mention on our way out the door Tuesday this week, uh, my dad's birthday. So happy birthday to him. Uh, that will do it for us. Does it for the podcast. Hopefully we did it for you. Uh, we'll see you next week right here at fantasyguru.com. <laughs>